Hello and good day to everyone listening. My name is Stevie. And I'm Beth, and you're listening to Let's Talk About Sex, hosted by your two favorite oversharers. Now, let's talk about sex. But before we get into everything today, we do have a couple messages from our sponsors. First of all, Elm Coffee Roasters. They're open in Pioneer Square and South Lake Union for takeout and soon indoor seating. Order coffee and more at elmcoffeeroasters.com. And let's not forget about the M. If you're looking for a place to live in the fall with student-friendly amenities, spectacular views, and that's walking distance to campus, check out the M Seattle. They're the only student living high-rise near UW, and they've recently dropped rates on all their floor plans. Visit themseattle.com for more info. Okay, well, a very warm welcome to our special guest this week. Um, Hi there, special guest. (laughs) So our special guest this week, M is here to talk with us about sexual... M's here to talk to us this week. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, hello. Hello, hello. It's great to be here. All right, so M, when I contacted you to ask if you wanted to be on this podcast, right? Mm -hmm. You sounded excited, which... I want to, which I wonder why, because generally when I ask others if they would like to be a guest on this podcast specifically, their responses are full of skepticism or hesitation, but yours was just kind of full of excitement. And I was wondering why that was. Okay. Um, (laughs) like I'm really enthusiastic about this for a broad range of reasons. I think that this is so weird in a way that I really enjoy. Um, I think that sex is something that I think a lot about that I wish there were like more conversations about. I wish that, um, I don't know, I like desire more uh, like ownership of of, like sexual um, identity. Uh, And yeah, I feel like there's like still a lot in the conversation in the culture right now around sex that uh, well, I don't know. I, I guess, like, I wish... I, I, I want to, like, participate more in, and it's, like, exciting to have this opportunity. So I think that this is... These are all reasons why I'm here. Yeah, I'm very I'm very enthused. Definitely. Yeah, I totally relate to what you said about wanting... I want to say you said something about, like, opening up about the topic more and, like, making it less taboo. Um, We did have a week, a couple weeks back, where we were totally ready to jump in to an episode talking about some LGBTQ topics. And one of my closest friends was was ready to talk about gay sex. You know, he's a man that has sex with men and backed out at the last minute because I do feel it's so much more ridiculed and regulated to talk about sex as a gay man than as a gay woman. And that does make me really Mm -hmm. sad. So I'm so glad you're here. Totally, totally. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that's, like, also really understandable that people have their own, like, qualms with talking about it publicly. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, yeah, like, I think that's really understandable. And also, it feels good for me to be doing this now. So I'm glad that I could do this. Yay. Love it. So, Em, because you are here, because you are doing this, I wonder, well... What is it you want to talk about today? Like, what, what, what is it you want to open the conversation about that you want to bring for, forward in terms of this cultural topic that you just discussed? Okay, I'm glad that you asked. Um, there 
are literally so many thoughts that I have that I think we could not possibly fit into a single podcast, which is why I'm starting my own podcast. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, um, um, you know, I feel just really comfortable just uh, saying kind of my like journey as like a queer person, you know, coming of age and um, engaging with my sexuality um, conversations that I've had around sexuality with, um, you know, partners, friends, strangers online, <laughs> right? Like, uh, I think that this is like a facet of my identity that I feel comfortable talking about. And like, I like appreciate the opportunity to talk about because, um, so, so I'm not answering your question. The answer is like all of the above, like whatever comes up. Right. So do you want me to say something? <laughs> well, um, I'm going to say the floor is yours, and I'm going to give you free reign to talk about whatever you want to. I have a question right now. I'll pop in with okay. a question. Here. Okay. So you mentioned right. conversations with with friends and partners about sexuality, and I find those conversations so interesting, especially like the coming out conversation. The first couple of those, you know, if you're comfortable sharing like how how did you know like has it been something that you always felt or something that like around teenage years you're like oh my god this is who I am like right right so yeah coming out I uh so I grew up in southern California in a culture that I think was generally very like positive toward um gay men (laughs) and I think like unpacking the lack of like a critical intersectional understanding of homophobia transphobia is like something that i think about but nevertheless like gay men were like visible i have an uncle who is gay who i think you know disrupted like expectations about like what a man should be he was a well so he's like mexican and so i think also like a man of color and a man in like those communities um yeah so so I had some some amount of representation, um, and at the same time, it wasn't something that my family talked a lot about in, like, a very open way. Like, I never had a conversation with my mom about, like, what, I- what are, what, <laughs> what is uh, sexual orientation? Who are gay people? How, how do gay people, like, exist and, like, walk in this world? What are the, like, histories? These are all things that my family like wasn't really engaged with even though they had a sort of general you know sympathetic attitude toward the lgbtq plus community so in that regard i think that i was like generally like accepting as i like began to think about my sexual orientation i'd say honestly like pretty early on i was like kind of getting clued into like an attraction toward you know, bodies with penises, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and like men. So, yeah, a lot of that honestly was like internet, like being a kid in the two thousands with access to a computer, and I was like kind of a nerd as a kid. Like I was very down, and like still am down to just like kind of dig into some like Wikipedia rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> so, like honestly, a lot of my education was like fully from Wikipedia. And, like, not for my family. And, like, porn and things like that were things that I was exposed to, I don't want to say prematurely, but, like, without much in the way of, like, 
sex education or at minimum like conversations around sex with my family. So um, nevertheless, I think that I like accepted the aspect of like being attracted to men pretty early on for myself, maybe like 12 or so. And then even so, I feel like there are a lot of ways that like uh, messages about like manness and masculinity were like still very much in my universe. And I don't, I don't think I had a lot of positive male role models, honestly, to like model what non-toxic masculinity is or could look like. So I think that in many ways, like my developing identity as like a man, as like a cis man was sort of at odds with my identity as like a gay man, because I think that there are ways that like I mean, okay, it's, like, really complicated. It's, like, there's no such thing as, like, a gay voice, but there, like, are, like, tendencies, you know? I think that gay men are um, oftentimes more in touch with their emotions and um, sensitive aspects of their personalities. And, um, yeah, so I think that, like, there was, like, some tension there in my adolescent years that sort of gave me the impression that there was, like, a right way to be gay, or something, which is honestly like still totally pervasive in the gay community. There's like so much toxic bullshit in the gay community that I think a lot of gay men kind of, you know, are reckoning. Um, okay, so I came out like very, it was like a very like kind of like nonchalant thing. I literally like told my mom that I have a boyfriend when I was like 16 or something, which you know, is, like, a bummer. I wish that I had more... I I wish that I had had, like, the space to ask my family questions. Um, And it's not as though that wasn't a thing. It's not not as though they said, you know, um, this isn't something that we talk about. It was more of, like, a tacit sort of... We're not gonna necessarily bring up these topics. And, you know, my family's, like, super supportive... And at the same time, like, I think that it's the the feeling I get from my family is oftentimes like very supportive, but also not very like not very aware of like my perspective in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. which I feel like the responsibility and in many ways, like the honor to like share with them. So so that was kind of. That was an aspect of coming out. Um, I was very open about it in uh, high school with like my peers. I actually moved uh, the summer before high school. So I was in the closet in middle school, even as I was like coming to terms with it. And I just decided I'm coming to a new school. I don't want to like go through the trouble of like, you know, having a coming out I don't know, like, this, like, narrative of, like, coming out was always just so, like, intense to me, and it seems a lot easier to just introduce myself as gay, or better yet, not introduce myself as gay and just let it come up if it comes up, which is honestly basically how I exist in the world today, you know, like, I don't, it's, like, important to me that that be an aspect of my identity that I'm aware of and that I'm secure in. And I think a part of being secure in it is recognizing when I don't like owe it to other people to disclose that part of my identity. That said, I think that like, I'm pretty open about it generally because I think it's a fun thing to talk about. Um, I think it's fun to 
honestly, like, yeah, like queer my environments to like kind of subvert expectations and like kind of push back when I'm feeling like it's like a particularly like heteronormative or like patriarchal space. Um, Oh my God, I love calling straight men queen you know like when a straight man is just like talking like so much and I'm just like go off queen you know (laughs) um because yeah I think that like there's a lot in the way of like maleness that I've had to unpack um and I like do feel like a man like generally um what is it it's like there's a lot that's like really fraught and problematic to me about the gender binary and so in some ways I do feel like I could identify as like non-binary, but at the same time, I feel really like at home in kind of a masculine place as a person. Um, and it's like fun to, and it's not just fun, it's like meaningful and um, enriching. It's like really enriching in my life to like explore those other facets of gender. So I like appreciate the like disruption of a gender binary and I try to like continue to like disrupt the gender binary. And I feel like really good is like identifying as a man. And I think it's always interesting when like encountering maleness to uh, sort of see the ways that maleness has like its own fragility to it. It's like men can be so, so, so fragile in this way that's like kind of pathetic and also like a bummer um, because I think that like from that maleness comes a lot of aggression that is you know, kind of the desire to express oneself and not really having the tools or the permission to be soft and be vulnerable. So yeah, I I think that like, as I walk through the world as a gay man, I, I it's like less about like trying to like get what I need from other people because it's like, I don't want to be coming out to people so that I don't want to be like relying on people to like make me feel safe. I mean, obviously like interdependence and like having a community, it's like so important. Um, but it's like, I feel like secure in like the people that I have in my life, the anchors. So it feels good for me to like embody that like queer identity, gayness in a way that, yeah, kind of tries to rattle things up and push people to think more about the ways, like their own like gender identities and sexual orientations. Yeah. Wow. Well, that was definitely a lot. And like a lot of questions popped into my mind as, um, or curiosities popped into my mind as like you were talking. Thank you for sharing everything you have thus far. Before we continue, we have another ad from our sponsor that we must read. Elm Coffee Roasters. Open since 2015, Elm Coffee Roasters is devoted to high quality coffee that's easy to brew at home and a joy to drink. At our roastery and cafe in Pioneer Square, Seattle, Elm obsessively roasts small batches of coffee that they source with a focus on sustainable practices that lift up the whole supply chain and protect the future of the coffee plant. Elm's goal is to make a truly exceptional cup of coffee, an experience you look forward to every day. Cafes at Pioneer Square and South Lake Union open for takeout and soon dine-in service. Please use code PODCAST at elmcoffeeroasters.com for 15% off your next coffee order. Now... I have a lot to say, and I'm sure Beth has a lot to say in terms of, like, everything you just dis- dished out. Um, well, one thing I kind of wonder, as you were talking about, like, your experience with, you know, kind of, like, walking through the world as a gay man and, you know, kind of, like, making yourself known to be that way. What was it like for for you as a gay man to 
really experience his sexual awakening? Like, what was that like? What was your um, first encounters and how did that shape you? How did that make you feel like just everything? Yeah, totally. So just like saying things that we already know, it's like we were adolescents during like the birth of like Tinder and like all of these dating apps, you know, and like dating, Mm -hmm. like hookup apps. And so, I mean, I think that like sex, sex lives, sex culture has like figured like pretty prominently in, you know, in our society since what, like the sixties. But I think that for myself as a teenager, I was just like very conscious of like sex as this rite of passage, really, you know, um, I, as a teenager, I was like hanging out with a lot of these mostly straight guys in my like, you know, high school drama class. And I just like, so remember just the like guy talk of like, you know, getting to third base and then what, you know, what did you do? You know, it's like these like achievements that somehow kind of like marked something it it was like some part of your identity has like been confirmed now that you've had sex which is a lot of that like gender and sexuality tension that I was sort of talking about earlier so I think that I honestly felt like a pretty like significant pressure to like have sex which I think you know I I also like had a an earnest desire to be having sex it wasn't just oh I have this thing that I need to do that I don't want to do it was like okay There's a lot of, there's this, like, enormous, like, expectation of, like, what sex is um, and what it feels like to have sex and what it means once you've had sex and who you become once you become, like, a sexually active person that, you know, honestly, like, so much of it is bullshit. Like, especially as, like, a teenager, it's, like, the your first sex is, like, probably gonna be kind of (laughs) weird, you know? It's, like, okay, I'll say, like, for myself, um, my first like, real sexual encounter. I was, like, 16. It was this guy that I met through a friend. We went on, like, a really bad date. But it's, like, the kind of bad date that you don't realize it's bad because you haven't been on enough dates to know what a bad date is, you know? But in retrospect, I can be like, oh, like, we didn't have chemistry. That's fine. Um, And, yeah, we, like, basically got in bed. And I was, like, super, like scared honestly of just like oh god like what does this mean what's happening like I I was like fully like consensual and it was like you know like healthy and safe but it was still um there was like this like pressure to like be having sex um okay so then there are so the apps right so tinder is kind of the main like hookup app that was sort of around at the time um grinder as I'm sure you know people know is kind of the uh most common, I think, um, like, gay hookup app that there is. I actually didn't get Grindr until I was 18. It's, like, 18 plus, but a lot of teenagers still download it. Um, I, in high school, had a boyfriend different from the first person I had sex with, and honestly, I look back on those memories really fondly. Um, I think that it was, like, really nice to have a person that I could have sex with, you know, kind of regularly or like, you know, it's like the same person. It's the same like body and spirit and the chemistry developing over time. It's like a really, it felt like this like really safe space to explore my sexuality 
that like felt really amazing and just like really um I like think back to that really fondly because I think that that was like an important step for me in terms of gaining a sense of uh ownership of like my sexual experience like a lot of sex up until that point felt like well you have to have sex in order to like like basically be cool honestly and it sounds like a cliche but like that's what it is it's like cool people have sex right um and realizing like it's not that you have to have sex in order to be cool it's like you have sex to like feel good and that's cool <laughs> right so um that was like this time when i was like really getting comfortable with it and then when i came to college downloaded grinder honestly like that was terrifying it's like so scary to see i mean just like all of these like bodies i'm also like 18 and it's like there are these like you know like very fit like attractive men on this app and you know the the uh responding to each other not getting responses um not giving responses to other people right like these feelings of like worth and rejection and so it's like interesting because it's like at some to some extent it's like not even the sex it's like the validation the attention from others the the desire and the feeling of being desired that i think was like so um like significant in the that like early engagement with um an app like grinder and after that first boyfriend and i broke up i had a lot of like bad hookups like in in a similar way that i can like look back on that early date and be like oh i didn't know it at the time but that was a bad date um yeah like i didn't know it at the time but those were like not great hookups in large part because not just that i was inexperienced but like i wasn't like in my body i was in my head i was like thinking about what sex was for and supposed to be rather than yeah just like doing it for the pleasure that i could get out of it and yeah so that's been like a process to like really commit to, like yeah it's like honoring myself means you know seeing sex as this like i mean i don't want to be like inflating like what sex is because i don't think sex has to be anything but i don't want to be having sex in ways that don't like resonate with my immediate desires if it's going to be sex that i feel like i should be having because it's like exciting or what is it? it it i don't know it 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 um fulfills this like kind of hollow ego self without actually like nourishing me which i think is like what leads to like bad sex so yeah since then i've had like really amazing sexual experiences um consistently i've had important like experiences with partners i think that like having sex with a partner is a space where you can really learn about your sexuality um i've also had like really amazing hookups and really amazing like spontaneous sexual interactions that um yeah have been like important steps in like claiming my sexuality and yeah now i feel really good about like the reasons why i'm having sex and i guess my yeah agenda in having sex it's it's not just like oh i have sex to feel good about myself it's like i have sex to feel good you know and i feel good about myself and sex is like an extension of that you know i think i understand a lot what you mean by that transition of like having sex to feel like maybe you have to prove a point to reaching the time in your life where you have sex because you want to as a bi woman i can relate to that a lot being 
15, 16 in a long-term relationship with a heterosexual man and, you know, having conversations with my friends about the fact that I was also attracted to, to women and people with vaginas. And they were like, well, how do you know if you never have? And I was like, I just do. <laughs> like, how do you know if you're a virgin and you like people of the opposite sex? And so my first experience with a woman was very much like, I feel like I need to do this to prove something. Although it was consensual and it was enjoyable, I felt like a, there was a fire lit under me that I had to, that I had to show everyone that, yes, I really do like women. <laughs> like, Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's like giving yourself permission to do this for yourself and not anyone else, I think is such an important part of like anyone's like sexual journey. And I think it's ongoing too. I had this conversation with my boyfriend just yesterday. We, okay, this was actually great. We were like having sex and then he just like told me, he basically like gave me feedback. He said, when you do this thing, it like doesn't feel great. And we had a conversation about just like, what does it mean to be giving that kind of feedback and be asserting your like comforts and desires in sex. And I think like, you know, consent I mean, there's just been, like, such an eruption in, like, the conversation around consent um, over the last couple of years, and I think there's still a lot of progress to be made in that conversation because, like, by all means, absolutely no is no, right? And it's, like, we need to be having, like, enthusiastic yeses. Um, And at the same time, I think sometimes it's really complicated, one, to, like, read that in another person because... I think a lot of sex does rely on nonverbal, you know, communication. And I think that's okay as long as, you know, we we have the ability to like engage in verbal communication if it's necessary. Um, Okay. So, so to, to um, read those messages from another person um, nonverbally and also to like read those messages from yourself, like, like literally like while having sex, realizing, oh, if I'm uncomfortable right now, I need to say it's, I owe it to myself to say something, you know? Um, and I think even as I'm saying this, like, I feel this reluctance because it's like, I'm worried that what I'm saying could be interpreted as like victim blaming for people who are in situations, which I, you know, I completely am in solidarity with like survivors of, uh, you know, these really whatever kind of uncomfortable or violent or whatever situation someone might find themselves in. I'm like completely in solidarity with them. And I, also think that, you know, I, I, I guess just uh, uh, growing into, like, my sexuality has involved not just waiting for other people to know what I want, but really allowing myself to know what I want and to to ask for what I want and to um, and to say what I want to, like, you know, it's, it's like I don't need to ask for someone to engage with me sexually in a way that feels good for me. I get to say, this feels good for me or this doesn't feel good for me. Right. Yeah. And also, okay. so another thing from that conversation is I think that ultimately good sex is just communicating verbally or nonverbally your wants and your needs and desires, you know, fluidly with one another. Um, It's not like good sex is like whatever, like specific sex position or, you know, whatever kinky, you know, all of this stuff. I, I really don't think that it's anything in particular because I think it all ultimately depends on just what are your needs, wants, and desires in that moment and how comfortable are you in communicating those with 
like this sexual partner. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of what's on my mind these days. Okay. Well, we've definitely gone for like a little while and like, I've loved this conversation. I loved hearing what you've had to say, Em. I'm wondering, is there anything else, Beth, is there anything you want to ask? Yes. Yes, there is. Um, okay. I was really interested to hear you talking about the need for communication with your partner because I have been in a number kind of a ridiculous number of long-term relationships for someone who's only 21 and even when sex is consensual even when I am very comfortable with my partner there is still um I've felt in the past like a need to please them even if I am uncomfortable and I find that so interesting that that's not an experience that only I've had. Like, it's something I've never spoken about with anyone, um, except maybe my therapist. I don't know. And uh, yeah, I, I definitely find that as I get older, sex is so much less about what my partner wants and more about what me and my partner want together. Um and, you, you know, I could be with somebody for a year, two years and still be having conversations of, hey, like, do you still enjoy this? Is this still a thing that you want to do with me? Like, and I don't think a lot of people understand how extensive those conversations can be. Yeah, totally, totally. And I think it's really, I mean, there are just like so many layers. And, you know, even as you're saying, like, wanting to please the other person, it's like, yeah, that can happen. Like, like that desire to please this other person when it's at the expense of your own comfort can feel like not great, <laughs> you know, in a sexual experience. It's like, oh, why am I doing this? Um, and also it can be like really hot. It can be so hot to just devote yourself to the pleasure of another person. And oftentimes it, it can go from being really hot to suddenly uncomfortable in like, you know, the blink of an eye, mm-hmm. right? There are like so many things that are uh, dynamic, um, especially, you know, in the, uh, the context of a long term partnership. There is also just all of the rest of your relationship with this person that, you know, is kind of present when you're having sex with them. And, you know, those dynamics can play out in sex. Um, sex can be a way to avoid having difficult conversations. It can be a way to you know, like, try to express things in ways that you don't know how to, um, and, yeah, I think that, like, your sexual relationship with someone, be it a partner, or even just, you know, someone that you're having sex with the first time, there's, like, inevitably some amount of communication that's happening, but in any kind of communication, there are all of these layers of what's being said, what's not being said, what's being concealed, what's being misunderstood, um, that is, like, worth unpacking, and I think that we are doing like a great service to ourselves and to others when we can do that work of examining, you know, what is my tendency to do in these situations? What feels good? What doesn't feel good? And yeah, I think that there's like still, I, I don't know. I think it's like the work of a life to like fully study what, who, who you are as like a sexual person, who your partner is a sexual person. And it's like, it, I don't know, for me, it feels really good to, to have the space and to have the kind of like self-knowing that can make that kind of studying of my sexual life so, like, enjoyable and enriching. Yeah, I really love it. 
my heart just grew like three sizes. I'm like, oh my gosh, someone else who understands. <laughs> totally. Steve, you have anything else to add? Well, you know, obviously as like a hetero man, it's like there's like stuff that I haven't been able to relate to in some ways. And then like, you know, like the whole pleasing of the partner thing, like M was talking about like, yeah, it can be really hot to please your partner. And then all of a sudden, like something can go to uncomfortable really quickly. I understood that very well. I I almost feel like I feel the physical sensation again, um, which isn't, which is weird. Uh, but like, it's like, it's been interesting to hear from your experiences and then also to evaluate my own experiences and hear Beth's side as well a little bit. And I feel like having you on as a guest has been really beneficial and I hope everyone listening appreciates you as much as I know Beth and I appreciate having you on. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. So to everyone listening, my name is Stevie. And my name is Beth. And my name is M. <laughs> and 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 say and say and say like a send off. Say like a send off. Oh oh. Um, Just make something um, up. Make whatever you yeah, want. Yeah yeah. And at the end of 2021, there's going to be um, the biggest orgy in <laughs> the northern hemisphere. Um, uh, everyone is going. Not everyone. Um, uh, most people who most people are going. Um, and if you're listening, you you are a VIP member of the 2021 Northern Hemisphere Orgy. We love you. Have a good week.